Dear Shooter, Winter is coming, and we are all scrambling to get ready as we all remember what last winter brought. Predictions call for a lot of snow and cold, and to keep it interesting, the government is planning to stick their toe in once again. Anyone else hate reruns? Of course I have. I'm just checking because I'm like getting the stink eye here. Go do your thing, but get good at your craft first, and put your budget to things that really matter for the day. You want to get good at it, and make no mistake about it, that's training. Let's face it, if you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are, and we've all seen it. Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, Empowerment Through Self-Reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. Good Thursday morning, and we're recording on Sunday for Thursday because we'll be, uh, as, as you guys are listening to this, we're going to be at the Whittington Center for Ballistic Summit. Um, and this is episode 34. That, that We've been doing this for 34 weeks now. That's getting to be a pretty colossal pile of bullshit. Well, that, it's one of those things that you've just got shit to say. Well, some days. If we just get Brandy engaged better, this will be a lot more... Of an engaging... Again, it needs to be interesting. Well... Agreed. You keep it interesting. I try. It's hard with you, too. (laughs) Stop talking in cursive. No, Uh, we're... So this is... uh, We're Memorial... or No, where are we at? Labor Day weekend. And uh, we're all kind of scrambling to get ready for winter. Friday, we were out uh, dismantling the range and, and getting targets and everything taken down for the winter. Um... I think we're expecting a pretty tough one. The Farmer's Almanac has kind of got me a little bit spooked because it's supposed to be 20% more moisture overall than we had last year. And we had snow last year. Oh, that's brutal. It was brutal. We had feet. Yeah. Five times anything we've seen in oh, a decade. my adult life. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, more snow than I've seen in a decade. Uh, I think the last time I saw a winter like that was like 2011. It was pretty brutal. Um, oh, brace yourself. Right? Um, so what do we do for the shooting sports when it's cold like this? Dry fire practice? Yes. Lots reloading. And lots of dry fire practice? Manta. And yes, reloading. Hey, and maybe you'll get to clean my guns finally. Nah. God, don't push your luck. No, I'm, I'm excited to kind of uh, put some time in with the mana system. Um, I've got both the Manus X and the the Blackbeard system that I'm going to be playing with this winter. That will be interesting. Um, just what I've seen of it and the little bit that I've messed with, and I've, I've actually been pretty impressed. Um, the, it, pretty cool system. It'll fix a lot of issues. So you can set this up in your house. Mm-hmm. And how much space do you need? Oh, room distance. Oh, really? I mean, you you could do this at, you know, 9, 12 feet. All right. So very, very doable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, does it pistol? Is it carbine? Can you do anything with it? So I've got both the pistol and the carbine systems. Interesting. Um, so you can run two systems at once, or I mean, can, I, you, can you work? 
I believe, primary, secondary? I believe I can. Um, it's something I have not tried. Um, like I said, I, I have both the, the Manus X and the Blackbeard. Now, I, what I don't know, I haven't delved into it enough to be able to tell you if, if the Blackbeard is a standalone or if it requires the X. Interesting. It'd be cool if you could run both. Hey, if somebody knows, let me know. Caitlin, where are you? Right. <laughs> so uh, beyond that, I, I, I know you've been, you've been scrambling, getting ready to go to Summit, cooking and getting all that prep done. And I am so far behind. The preparations for this thing never end. No. No, they don't. Um, we're spending, you know, $1,000 or more on groceries today. Just to get stuff put in the pantry. I've been reloading all week and putting stuff together. The sponsors have been shipping stuff in. i got to make sure that they all make the trailer. Um, it just it never ends. Well, I know tomorrow that's going to be my day is getting all of our preps ready and getting the trailer, getting our stuff loaded and ready to go so that Tuesday I can roll the trailer over to your shop and we can load the rest of it. Yep. yep. Um, and then Wednesday we roll out. Early. After daylight, I hope. Nah, we're going to get gone. <laughs> we're going to get there. How do you get your sunrise picture in Casper if you don't leave before the sunrise? I don't have a problem with it, but I have to ride with you. Come on, Nancy. And, just get out of bed. And get out, Getting out of bed and getting going before the sun is up is not your forte. I'll just go in my pajamas. It'll be fine. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. You heard it here. She's getting up. <laughs> We will update to you uh, next week. Stay tuned. <laughs> so beyond that, I've been uh, I've, I've spent most of my weekend blocking firewood, getting it split, stacked, and ready to go. Um, trying to get ahead of that game. I've been wrangling yard equipment, putting it away, winterizing it up, um, you know, blowing out sprayers and putting up cleaning and working lawnmowers over. And so yeah, it, it's a it's the fall chores. Mm-hmm. Now, I did get a chance to get out yesterday and finally kind of get a rough sight in on that 30-06 project that I had. Um, put all the data into Streelock and kind of trued it up just a little bit to kind of see where it was at. And according to Streelock, I'm pushing 165-grain projectile 3,100 feet per second. That's fast. Especially out of an 06. That's really fast. Um, what barrel's on that thing? It's a Shaw. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's a bull barrel. Which, uh, you know, I, I put that Shaw Bull barrel, like it's 24-inch, I believe, um, onto a Winchester Model 70 action, old action. Uh, dropped it into an HS Precision tactical stock because it was the only one that would take the barrel. <laughs> so none of the thing is lightweight. Um, you know, the weight on it was a lot lighter than I expected. I was expecting somewhere around the 16-pound mark, and it... And it uh, when I put it on on the scale, it was right about eleven. All right, that's not actually not bad for a Western States hunting rifle. That's not bad at all. No, and considering it's got it's got that that you know the the good L five scope on it, the six to twenty four. I've also got a bipod on it, so I mean it's 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 got the accessories, uh, but really a, an eleven pound rifle to do the hunting that we do is really not bad at all. Not at all. So, looking forward to going and knocking some things down with that this year. What tags did you get? I ended up with a deer tag and two elk tags. And I I hesitate to, to say that because I, I know with the winter kill and 
the Game and Fish here really limited tags this year. So the fact that I got almost everything I put in for, uh, people not happy with me. Yeah, they can get over it. Or they can just come to dinner. There's that, too. Well, cool. So you didn't draw an antelope? I did. Um, Brandy and I both drew antelope, and because we were able to get all of our other tags, we chose to donate those to Vet Healing Adventures. Well done. Well done. So, so that gives two two vets the opportunity to come up and hunt antelope. So you'll get to go on that rather than hunt it yourself, but you'll get to go and yes. hang out and watch that happen. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. Totally fun. And sometimes that's more fun. I find it more and more these days I enjoy that than actually going and tipping one over myself. But, yeah. I don't know. For whatever for whatever reason, when you're doing, when, when somebody else gets an animal down and you're doing the work on it, it doesn't seem like it's as much work as when it's your own. That depends on the person, I suppose. <laughs> well, uh, typically you're the first one to go dive into a cavity to start cleaning it out. And I don't know why when there's smaller, more agile people to do that. I don't know. I thought he fit rather well. He does. Oh, typically everybody just kind of stands around and looks at me. And I'm like, all right, we're going to burn in daylight here. Let's get this done. Part of that is because when anybody else tries to, you sit, you stand there and tell them you're doing it wrong. And well, then you, you push them out of wrong. You're not doing it wrong. You just push them out of the way because they're not doing it the way you do it. Yeah, you about lost a thumb last year. <laughs> doing it wrong. No, I was not allowed to. I was not allowed to dress my own animal last year because I couldn't get blood on me because I was being filmed. You see, doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Brandy, you talked about the government starting to dig their toes in a little bit a um, couple of things that we're hearing rumblings of now last weekend they had the world economic forum in jackson hole which is uh, what an hour and a half from us yeah just about um now one of the big topics there and something that they've been talking about for some time is creating a centralized banking system and moving all of our currency to digital what no. Could, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. That's all I have to say is no. What could go wrong with digitizing the currency? They can control you 100%. If they don't want you to buy something, they shut you down. They also can track what you buy, when you buy it, where you buy it, where you're traveling to. Well, it, it, it's even more nefarious than that. Um, they can completely shut you down if they disagree with your politics. Uh, now you're talking about a social credit score. Mm-hmm. Now, the Chinese already do this. Interesting. Um, We're all going to be standing in line for a loaf of bread, y'all. Yeah. No, no. the Chinese actually have a social credit score. Um, if they find out that you've been talking ill of the central government in China, they will wipe you out. So this is just another way to infringe on a constitutional right we enjoy. Correct. Interesting. Um, so I, I don't think I'll play. Well, I, you know, I'm all for bringing back Nancy Reagan's policy of just say no. I don't think that's what she was talking about, but I, I understand the no. It, the it, that that wasn't what she was talking about, but it's, the, the policy still works. Yeah, I, just, I don't think I'll play. Um, they can go ahead and digitize it, but I will find other means of, of procuring the stuff that I need. Um, I will trade. Um, I've been accused of being fairly handy. I can work and, and make things happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do not think I'll just 
partake in a digital global currency. It just doesn't work for me. No, no, I'm with you on that. Um, in, in, again, what could go wrong? Uh, how often do we hear of mass infiltrations from malware and cyber attacks? But the, the advocates of this are going to you know, try and tell you that the benefits outweigh the risks. And how so? I, I don't think who? they do. I don't think they do. And, and, and if you create a system like this, you are literally uh, taking away my right to personal property because now I, I really don't have control over my own money. No, you're 100% relying on the government at this point. And their good faith because they are so honest. Amazing, aren't they? Oh. Again, what could go wrong? It, I mean, you're talking about a system not too dissimilar from Bitcoin. Um, where didn't Bitcoin's that take a crap? Well, nah, I think it's still alive and well, but I mean, in in theory, Bitcoin's supposed to be completely anonymous, and nobody really controls the currency other than other to make an account for you, right? But it's digital; it's digital currency. Well, they're not supposed to have a national gun registry either, but tell me that they don't. Well, I, as an FFL, I would say that what they've got is flawed. From a gun registry standpoint, um, all of it's an overreach. Every last piece of it is a infringement, but the system is what the system is, right? Until it finally gets changed back to where it should be, and I'm not going to hold my breath on that either. But when when someone fills out paperwork for a firearm, and we go through the process of calling them in and doing their background check, right? They get their name. If they provided their social, they get that. And it's classified into, and help me out here, Brandy, is it three classifications? Long gun, pistol, shotgun, receiver? And receiver, so four. So the new one's receiver. And that's all they know that you are attempting to purchase. Right. It all comes back to the FFL's discretion and whether I'll let you have that item or not in exchange for currency. Mm-hmm. And the details of it, the serial number, the make, the model, the caliber, none of that is transferred to the background check. Oh, I, uh, understandable, but they still know who's buying stuff. Yeah, they uh, actually have a record of you attempting to buy a firearm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, that's, a, that's a hell of a good start for a registry. Like I said when I started, it's all an overreach. Mm-hmm. Every last bit of it is an infringement. Mm-hmm. But again, the system is what the system is. I don't agree with it. But what are you going to do about it? You know what I, I that's that's been my biggest thing for a, a few years now is a lot of the things that the government's doing not just the ATF but just the government in general look at the justice department now and so many of these things that they're doing and and I swear it is it's the government going what are you going to do about it um because they don't think they don't think that we can do anything about it and the problem is with our education system um we we're not teaching history we're not teaching civics People don't know that they even have the power to do anything about it. We go along to get along, to not have a fight, and we let too much be okay. As a, we don't want to have the conflict. Well, that time's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hearing legislators and, and folks I know talk about civil disobedience. Um, and nobody's inciting violence, but they're definitely not going to play ball. Uh, we keep hearing rumblings of, as we approach an election year, of more lockdowns and the the rumors of a new 
illness that's going to be scheduled and released. Yeah, um, released is the key word because if you can schedule a lockdown, you are releasing something on purpose. I completely agree with you. And if you're hearing rumblings about it now um, and they're not doing anything after the last round, what taught us that these things are bad, right? Um, they're biding their time. They're seeing what they can roll out, what they can't roll out. And then it comes on the heels of an election. So why would they do this? What's the motivation? So you have to vote by mail? Because yeah, we all know how that, that works right. out. That cheat by mail. And so I, I loaded that question to you guys on purpose. Because doing, one, doing it was one thing. What's the motivation for doing it? Well, and it, who benefits? It's real simple. The Democrats know they can't lose. They cannot win on a level playing field because they cannot win in the arena of ideas. They've upset their own party. Well, they have because they've they've gone so far radical that even members of their own party are going, okay, wait. Political news these days isn't about laws and things that they're doing for the people. It's about scandals and the the days of our lives and and who did this and, and, and demonizing somebody for acting inappropriate. Well, don't you like reality TV? I really don't. I, I, I really don't. It, it all is a trumped-up fake distraction from something real that's happening. I, I, was, I was hearing a piece on the news the other day, and it, it just kind of blew my mind. And this is one of the ones where it was a left-wing commentator talking about this, how um, it, and it was the... White House spokesperson, I don't think it's, it wasn't Corrine Jean-Pierre, it was one of her deputies that had gotten up and was blaming DeSantis for the hurricane because he did not take, it was like $165 million for some kind of environmental thing, and that if he had just taken this money, taken taxpayer money, the hurricane wouldn't have happened. And and even the, the, even this commentator was was taking these comments and going, that's not how this works. Well, I'll be honest. If we have a candidate that can actually control the weather, I'm voting for him. Right. Sorry. It, if he can control a hurricane, he's got my vote. Yeah. Well, uh, you you know what I mean. All of this is and and love him or hate him, um, this is all about keeping Trump off the ballot. Because they know that if he ends up on the ballot, he is unbeatable. Well, they can beat him by cheating. Well, that's just it. And, and that's how they beat him the last time. I was going to just say, my tinfoil is going to show here because that's how they beat him last time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it, I, I hate to say it, and I, and I think we've said it here before, that the only difference between a conspiracy theorist and the news is about three months. Time does prove it out. Um, and it... The problem is it's becoming more frequent and it's becoming faster. Uh, Because the public's accepting the news and the sound bites. They're just knobbing their head as a bobblehead. And they're thinking that everything they're doing and saying is going to be let to be okay. Right. I'm looking for a reckoning. I'm looking to set the record straight and make right right and wrong wrong again. I'm with you. And and you and I... uh, we're talking with one of our state legislators, and I'm not going to name names, um, but it, it really surprised me for him to say that, yeah, something's coming, um, and, and he's expecting some kind of civil disobedience, civil dislocation, uh, and violence. The people have had enough. They pushed us pretty hard for the past three years. 
on an experiment. Mm-hmm. My personal opinion, it was an experiment. Oh, I don't disagree with to you. To see what they could get away with, who would comply and who wouldn't. That's right. I, and they made different lists for each of those. Make no mistake about it. Well, I, and I'm sure there's a plan for each one of those. So when they roll out this new supposed one, they're going to come and get, say, Wyoming. We didn't comply real well. They're going to come make sure we comply. They don't have to worry about the other places like New York and California that complied real well. They won't have to sit there and do that. But this Midwest area, they'll have to come in and babysit us. Kind of like what I went through in Germany. Oh, good Lord. That's what it's going to look like, y'all. I will say that that would be a colossal waste of their time. Well, Wyoming just doesn't have enough people for them to be effective in that conversation. No, and I, and, and no, but we're the ones they need to control. I, I, I have to, I have to disagree with you a little bit on that because, so I, looking at some of the stuff from before, they had about seventy percent compliance with the original COVID restrictions and mandates and mask mandates and everything else. Um. What I'm hearing um, from some of the people that I've talked to, some of the people I've listened to, some of the research that I've done is this time around, they're expecting about 30% compliance. So the numbers have flipped because people realized what this did to the country, what this did to their children, what this did to their businesses the last time they did this. Then we need to sit on our governor because I have some friends in some smaller businesses like hairdressers. And things like that, that they were told to close down. And when they said no, the state was going to pull their business license. It's the only teeth they had. So we get on the governor and say, that's horse shit. Well, and I, I honestly, I think a lot of these businesses that, you know, require whatever licensing from the state are probably just going to still fly in the finger and do business. Because, all right, you've had this license. All right, let, let's take your hairdresser, for example. If you've been going to her for, what, seven, eight years now? At least. Okay. If the state pulled her license tomorrow because of a COVID restrictions, not because of anything she did wrong, okay, would you still go? I would, but without her being licensed for people who get, like, chemical work done, with whether it's color, perms, whatever you do, she will not be able to purchase those items. I'll bet that, you know what, where where there's an American will, there's a way. That, so, I have, I have a horrible time with a lot of things that we just said. A piece of paper from this government saying it's okay for you to do what you do and make a living doesn't actually stop patrons from following what they want and get done and partaking in that business. The folks that sell them supplies have their license on file, and they're not going to do the due diligence and every time they do a purchase, check and see if their license has been revoked or not. That would require an organization level and an intelligence level that we all know the government doesn't have. Maybe. So at the end of the day, go about your daily. Don't change a thing. Be good to people. Be a decent person. But... That little piece of paper from the state that is the teeth to shut down people doesn't mean a thing. No. No, it absolutely doesn't. You're, it's your customer service, and it's your it's your relationship with your clientele. That's what builds a business. That's what keeps it running. Correct. Not that piece of paper. Well, there's so many things that we do as a sociological acceptance 
that we comply with because it's a good idea for certain things like public safety, right? If I'm driving down the road at 90 miles an hour, that is excessive on any of the speed limits around the state. It just is, even on the interstate. 90 miles an hour is too fast, right? But I can drive at 90, and I'm fine at it. But that's too fast from a sociological standpoint. There's a lot of folks that can't drive at 90 and be fine at it. Right. So when I see red and blues in my mirror, I make the conscious decision to comply or not. And I pull my car over because I have earned a conversation with somebody that wants to talk to me about how fast I'm driving. I haven't broken any laws. I've violated a statute. I've not created a victim. So I'm not a criminal. I have socially chosen to comply. Same thing with the business license. It's a piece of paper from a government saying, you need to follow our rules or else. Well, and it's gotten ridiculous to the point of, you know, marriage licenses. The the whole, look back in, in the 90s during the, the whole debate over gay marriage. It should have never been an issue. The only reason it was is because the government was involved. What What does government have to do with marriage? Well, let me ask you a human question. You two are married, right? Last time I checked. And you got a piece of paper from the state saying it was okay to get married. Yeah, got a piece of paper. Right? And then when you got done with the marriage, you got it stamped and notarized, and officially the state recognized you as a married couple. Mm -hmm. Would either of those pieces of paper stop you from shacking up? No. You'd have still had your relationship. You'd have shared economics, shared a household age requiring had kids together right some states you don't even need the piece of paper if you live together so many years you're a common, common law, law which means there's no paperwork correct on you. so again that governmental piece of paper it's a sociological compliance but it's a feel good mm-hmm. that you're doing the right things and i'm just here to tell you that they need to stay out of your business they do and and we have friends that have been together for 20 years that aren't married but they might as well be uh and it, and it doesn't make any difference in their relationship and how they live their lives it's a tax status it is and the benefits recently if you've been watching have gotten less and less and less they have your credits for being married on a tax status have gotten less no but it's also health insurance you need that stupid piece of paper for say i wasn't working and he was covering to cover me we have to have the stupid piece of paper agreed Social compliance. That's the only teeth they've got. Well, you go back to social compliance, and and that's... You're talking about the civilized society. And we all agree to live that way. Now, you're always going to have that, what, 10% probably that refuse, and you're going to have that criminal element. But I've always kind of been an advocate to, unless there's a victim, where's the crime? Well, by definition, there's not. Right. So, again, the piece of paper, the red and blues in your mirror, you're making a conscious decision to comply. And if you didn't comply, um, those red and blues would just chase you down the highway. So, in other words, it's, it's a revenue component. It's not a criminal component. Correct. Because if you don't agree to go along to get along, they've made systems and checks where they can affect your wallet and, and make it painful, but they're not going to stop you from pressing the accelerator. 
Right. That and piece of paper doesn't have that ability to make you guys not live together and be in the relationship you're in. If I remember right, though, the statute of speeding, not a law, a statute, right? Thought at one time, if not still today, if you're doing 20 miles or more above the speed limit and you have a passenger in your car, they can get you for attempted manslaughter, which is no longer a slap on the wrist, y'all. Agreed. Now, that's reckless endangerment because your passenger didn't agree for you to act like that. It comes down to personal responsibility again. What's that? What ah. if the passenger was saying, go faster, go faster? Exactly yeah. right. That's. But you got some guy in a separate car going, oh, wait, they're going too fast. Let's talk to him. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree. There's a lot of folks out there that shouldn't drive that fast. They can't handle their vehicle. They don't pay attention. They're on their phone. They're distracted. They don't have the coordination necessarily to handle a vehicle at those speeds. Well, let's go, let's go back to the, the government responsibility for this too, right? Okay. So we pay taxes. Government builds roads. The maintenance on the roads, especially in our state, um, doesn't really accept driving 90 miles an hour. You can't because the road won't take it. In a lot of places, your surface is not suitable, Mm-mm. but it's a personal choice again. Again, yep. But those roads cost money. Yep. Where do you think they get the money for those roads? Oh, yeah, for pulling people over right. and taking their money. So let's fast forward again to last three years of COVID. Follow the money. Mm-hmm. What did it go for? Who benefited from it? Well, you're looking at the, the pharmaceutical companies. There was a lot of government agencies that made a lot of money off of it. Here's what bothered me about the whole COVID thing. Um, when they came out with the vaccines, and, and the longer this goes on, the more I am very, very happy that I did not get a vaccine. Um, my biggest problem was when they first came out with it, the very first thing that the government did was exempt pharmaceutical companies from a lawsuit for any side effects from the vaccine. That's that a problem. That, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence. No. And as you said, the longer we go on here, let's take a look at the numbers again. The vaccinated aren't dying. No. The unvaccinated aren't necessarily dying. Not in the droves that they told us that we were going to. The fear-mongering was out of control. No, and you're seeing more uh, it, it, legacy health problems from those that got vaccinated than those that didn't. I agree. I think the vaccine enhanced some of the health problems people already had. Yeah. Well, and, and you've got, you know, nobody really knows what's in a lot of these things. I know I know, I don't. I'm sure I'm sure I could probably research it, but it's going to be a bunch of a bunch of names that I can barely pronounce, let alone know what they are. Right. And if you went to a pharmaceutical guy and said, all right, show me. Right. You're asking how to build a watch. Right. When all you really want to know is how to, to tell time. At the end of the day, do you really care what's in it? I kind of do. I don't. It's being forced on me, and I don't have any reason to take it, so I don't think I will. Right. But if I, I mean, if I can identify something in there that I know is harmful to me, then I'm then that gives me that much more reason not to. And they don't want to share that with you because. Right. I mean, put it together, guys. This isn't that hard. It's pretty common sense. People want to control people. It's human nature. Well, which, you know, brings us back full circle to the Second Amendment. Um, people don't want to acknowledge that the Second Amendment is a human right. Um, we, you know, we hear, this, we hear this thrown around so much. 
Housing is a human right. Health insurance is a human right. No, 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 no. My right to life, to liberty, is a human right. And the Second Amendment grants me that. Well, it, it's the recognition that you have the right to defend yourself in any means you see fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that flies in the face of folks that want to control you. Because as we talked several times before, the hallmark of a civilized society is when the citizenry is as armed and as equipped as the government. Right. Right. Well, it, it, because it brings everything down to a negotiation. I have to agree, you have to agree, and then we accept the results. And you end up with the definition of a compromise, mm-hmm. which means nobody gets what they really wanted. Right. Well, too bad. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let you control me. Um, you know, Brandy and I were having a conversation about solar generators the other day. Uh, you know, part of that is we, we know the lengths that the government would go to to control us. Uh, they they've said as much um we also look at it from a practical standpoint of we live out in the middle of nowhere and if we lose power we're kind of screwed well the country being as diverse as it is you've hit touched on a a very important critical distinction on how this country is formed and gets the laws made what works for a guy in rural wyoming doesn't necessarily apply to a guy in metropolitan New York. No. No, your world's apart. It, the way that you live your life is completely different. Mm-hmm. So you can't make one law, one rule that applies to all. It just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's been my, my biggest problem with uh, state and federal government agencies. Spe- specifically, the one that's always bugged me is the EPA. Interesting. My, my, right. Okay, my reasoning for that is if you look at every state, every state has their own, they'll call it the Department of Environmental Quality or you know, something of that nature, right? So why do we need, you know, and, and these local departments, these state departments have a hell of a lot better handle on the, the specific issues of that state and that area than some no-name bureaucrat in D.C., why the redundancy other than economics? Well, economics is a powerful one. The, locally in Wyoming, the DEQ is there to make sure that industry doesn't necessarily act poorly. And they will if you, if you let them because it's cheaper to. But if they act poorly, they can leave a mess behind from an environmental standpoint. I, 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 I don't disagree. But... The redundancy on it, the duplicity of it, doesn't make any sense to me either. No, um, you, you see that in in a lot of uh, industries. Look at look at agriculture. Uh, the the state and regional agencies that we have, because the, the and 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 here's the difference. So a lot of the state agencies that, that we have are staffed by people that come from the industry, so they understand it. Um, agriculture is a big one. You get somebody from D.C. that was born and raised in Virginia, and they have no clue what cattle ranching is in Wyoming. I've got a prime example of this. Growing up um, in a farm community, my mom worked for the ASCS office. So it was a governmental side that allowed and worked with farmers for subsidies if they treated the land properly, right? And she got a call one day from Tom Daschle's office. 
Everybody remembers old Tom. Oh, yeah. Well, his office was requiring the information on Goshen County to how many cattle guards that they had and what the base salary was for a cattle guard. For those of you listening that don't know what a cattle guard is, it is a pit cut across the fence line and then a grate laid down on the roadway where cattle won't cross it, but you don't have to put up a formal gate. Mm-hmm. The cattle guard's not a human, and they don't get a salary. But the office in D.C. couldn't wrap their head around this and demanded the information on salaries and benefits <laughs> for cattle guards in this Goshen County, Wyoming. I just I started throwing out numbers. Uh, she went and looked at the cattle guards that she helped subsidize through the farmlands um, and gave him a number. I have no idea what they did with that data set. <laughs> it actually kind of terrifies me that they actually had somebody call and collect that information. It doesn't surprise me. Um, say, look at look at the grants that they give out for some of the studies that that are done, especially the universities. And and this bothers me on on several levels because you're getting a government grant uh, to go do some ridiculous study. When a lot of these universities have endowments that are in the billions, and not little billions either, like fifty, sixty, hundred billion dollar endowments, that these universities are just sitting on and investing. The eggheads at the university are never going to get their project funded for gender studies, unless it comes from a federal dollar. Right. Because the folks at the endowment control require them to actually have a financial plan of why their study is relevant. Right. The other side of it doesn't. Yeah. And, and that, that goes back to the ridiculousness of government and, and why they are trying to find every revenue stream they can. They have a spending problem. We all know this. And, and that's not just the feds. That goes down to state and local levels. Every form of government in our country has a spending problem. We have too many chiefs. We do have too many chiefs. Too many we do. And the value of money is lost on them because at the end of the day, guys, that's our money. We pay our taxes. We do that social compliance and, and, and do the right thing. And they're taking our money and wasting it. Would you ever run your household the way that the government runs their finances? I would love to. Do you know how nice my house would be? Do you know how much I'd make if I could vote for my own raise? Oh, I, I need a raise. Yeah. All in favor. It'd be great. Well, and here's something else that bothers me, um, and this is something I was I was listening to an interview with one of the uh, Republican presidential candidates, and he was talking about the government bureaucracy union, and how wait they have a union yes um, the the govern the the bureaucracy and government okay not not your elected officials but all of these people so you're talking things like staffers any of the bureaucratic a- agencies. Uh, this is going to be EPA, ATF, FBI, all of these three-letter words, okay, they they are all part of a union, and they're required to be. When are they going to go on strike? Uh, never. Because they are the ones in the real control. If, if you think about these, these are, these are legacy employees that have been there for 20, 30 years, okay? Mm. They're the ones that are making the rules, okay? The problem that we have is this this union has become so powerful and Congress has allowed them to make a lot of their own rules to the point where the President of the United States cannot fire one of these people. He does not have the authority. The chief executive of the country doesn't have personnel decision. 
cannot fire these people. Interesting. That's scary. It is scary. That's uh, flat out terrifying. Because that is the very definition of a shadow government. You're not wrong. Unelected, un unfireable. Okay, so you can't get rid of these people, and they are the oh, ones. Oh, I that can are, get rid of them. Well, not legally. Not without the rest of us knowing your middle name. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like it's too much of a tax, does it? <laughs> no. But uh, you know that that's the the real part of government that scares me, um, because there are tens of thousands of these. Uh, the, they can't go anywhere unless they, they choose to retire or quit. They're, they, they're not going anywhere. And it's, these are the people that are running our lives. Sounds like a pretty cushy gig though. At the end of the day, why would they want to go somewhere? Well, it's I, a guaranteed income. Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah. And you put in your 20 years and now you're set for life with pension and the whole gig. Yeah. Right. And, and they have one of the best pensions and health insurances in the world. So ever notice how they call a governmental job a term of service self-service maybe yeah that's exactly there are good government workers out there don't get me wrong but the folks that we're talking about are taking part in a process that is just not for the people no and it hasn't been not not for 60 years kennedy was probably the last president at, at, at least on the democrat side that actually went into office for the right reasons. Well, and he did shake things up, and he did stuff for the people, and he also caught a bullet. Yeah, well, and I'm convinced it was his own party that did it. Well, there's because a lot of evidence was, that leads to that, too. Because he was going against, the, he was going against their policy. I mean, he, that guy that shot him was pretty darn good with an Italian rifle. i got to give him credit. Right? That's probably one of the Clinton guys. Well, I, I bought one of those rifles. And I attempted to run the string of fire that fast. And I spent a month trying to do it. I can't do it. I can't run that, that gun that fast. Okay, so let's, let's go into tinfoil hat territory here. Oh, geez. Do you think there was more than one shooter? There almost had to have been. I don't have access to the ballistic reports to see what the, the difference in projectiles were, but I've heard rumored that there are differences. And... To run that rifle with a 90-degree bolt throw like it has uh, in a carbine, and it was, you know, bought through, I think, Montgomery Ward mail order, if I think, if mm-hmm. I remember if I'm right. Mm-hmm. Um, that rifle is extremely hard. It's a long action. It's a 90-degree bolt throw, and he had a complex moving shooting solution. Not an easy one. And hell of a marksman in his own right. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I've tried to... On steel, at a range, things weren't moving. And I couldn't come close to half his time. Right. What was the distance on that? I mean, it wasn't far, but it wasn't like, you know, we, we talk about room distance all the time, but well, from the, it was, what, 150 yards? Yeah, from the library depository window that he was at, he saw targets from 75 to 250 yards. Okay. Because the, the motorcade moved up the street. Right. And everything's changing the whole time you do it. The angles are changing, the motions are changing. There's people in the way that's changing. That's a hell of a string of fire. Yeah. And I bet you'd be hard pressed to do it with a semi-automatic rifle now. Right. And and, and I've been to that location. I you know I I didn't actually go tour the book depository or anything, but I I've I've been on that road, saw the X in in Dallas where where 
Kennedy was killed. And and just kind of looking around at it, just lo- trying to look at it from a shooter perspective, and it's like, hmm, I, I, I don't know how he did it in, in the time that, that, it, that it happened. But look at all the things that were going on in politics at that time frame, too. The agenda that he was pushing wasn't exactly popular. No. And on many fronts. I mean, we were dealing with Bay of Pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, communists were knocking at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there you, was, that, you had the civil rights movement going on, too. Absolutely. There are so many moving parts to what was going on. Pick a group that was unhappy. Yeah. It doesn't have to be just one. You could pick several, and they were unhappy. And assassinating a president, it's a heinous act, right? That's where we get to learn somebody's middle name. Um because you got to identify that person. you got to hang it around one person's neck so the society feels good about we caught them. I'm not convinced in this case. I'm just not. Let me ask you this. Um, has there ever been anyone who assassinated a president that was not also shot and killed? Other than Sirhan Sirhan. I can't think of one. Everybody else got theirs in the next 48 hours. Right. Okay, let me get Definition my tin, Let me get my tinfoil on for this one. Um, you know, and that was one thing. You know that you're looking at if you look at if you look at Kennedy and his unpopular policies. Look at Reagan. At the time, a lot of his policies were unpopular. Um, we were going, you know, we were coming out of the '70s. We were going through that that period of, you know. A, the hippies had grown up and were having kids, and they were trying to run the run society the way they did in the seventies. And Reagan said, "No, we're not doing that." A lot of his policies were unpopular at the time. Unfortunately, history has proved him right, and that's that's one guy I would uh, I, I think the world could use again right now. Absolutely, at least the ideology needs to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes with certain folks that. I can talk politics with and can still stay friends. Um, there's a social game that gets pulled out of if you were to pull one back from history and have a conversation with them, who would it be? Boy, I, the, the, the list is long. And then it always evolves into if you had to fight one. Oh, uh, the list is very short. Right. Exactly right. They're those same cast of characters, right? Yeah. And you had to take your jacket off and actually go toe-to-toe with one of them. Their resolve is not one you want to fight. No. So they shut them up. Yep. <laughs> so uh, to kind of bring this back, uh, you know, this whole started because winter's coming. And and I think it always gives us a little bit of perspective and and introspective when we start thinking about, oh man, what do we need to do to get through this winter? Because we are expecting a bad one. And when you start thinking about that, just just preparations for winter, and you kind of start thinking a little bit more broader broader terms uh, in your preps and seeing where you're at, and and it and you start thinking about the way of the world. You, you get going down these rabbit holes a lot. Well, and, and there's two types of cold. You got your temperature cold that makes you, you know, store wood and put extra layers on. And the other one is an isolation cold. Mm-hmm. If you don't comply with society's rules, you're kind of on your own. That's cold, too. Well, 
uh, I, I have to say, if, it, if, if it's being isolated and cold and, and having to deal with what society's doing at this point, I think I'll take the cold. Uh, society scares me right now, and I'm hoping that things are going to get better. But until then, I'm going to hold on to mine and keep blaming my gun. Fair enough. 